0: Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm Bill Powers and in today's show, we're gonna be getting a chartist perspective on a lot of the miners and commodities that we invest in as uh, commodities and mining speculators. We're talking today to Gareth Soloway of inthemoneystocks.com. He was on the show about a month ago for the first time and I got uh, excellent feedback from that. So Gareth, welcome back onto the show. And we like the miners, we like gold. So we like the junior miners even more. So let's start with GDXJ.
1: What are you seeing in this uh, chart pattern right now? Absolutely. So it's great to be back. Thank you, Bill, for having me back on. And it it was a pleasure last time as well. So what I've really been happy about is the miners' performance performance. Uh, including gold and silver performance in spite of higher yields. So for those of you that have been following, we've seen yields slowly grinding up. There's been no breakout on the 10-year yet, although with the Federal Reserve meeting this Wednesday, there's always a chance of that. But generally, over the last 20 years, when yields have gone up, gold has sold off. Well, it's been different recently, right? We've seen gold holding up, which is a very bullish sign because what it tells us is that you're starting to see the worry of inflation keeping yields rising, but also keeping gold up. So I'm very bullish on the metals overall going into this kind of the next six to 12 months of the the this year and the next year. And I think that the miners, the gold miners look great here. In fact, let me show my screen for those of you guys that can see it here. Um, The bottom line is you have the miners looking like the bull flag, the longer term bull flag is still fully intact here on the GDXJ and bull flags are formed when you have a sharp move up like you had from last March, uh, March of 2020's low. All the way to kind of july and then you went into this consolidation period which is basically after a sharp move the most bullish thing you can get is kind of a digestion of that move which is seen by sideways to slightly lower price action and that's exactly what the gdxj has done here and you can even put in some trend lines for those of you guys that can see and look at this beautiful parallel line you can see how you can connect the high here from 2020 July to the high from um, April and May. And then if you connect the lows, it's a perfectly parallel channel. And that is about as picture perfect of a bullish pattern setup up as you can get. Now, it doesn't guarantee that we're going to see the breakout in the next week or in the next month. But as long as this pattern holds, it is coming. And again, I would strongly consider as investors go, continue to accumulate miners when they dip. And then look for that breakout. The breakout currently on the GDX would be right around $50. So if you push through 50, it's off to the races, probably to 65 at least.
0: And what about for silver as a commodity? We're at about $24. What's your expectation for the remainder of the year with silver?
1: Yeah. So silver, silver. I was a little bit more bearish on. I've kind of had struggled with silver, to be honest, because you have this whole aspect where the industrial side of silver means that if the economy starts slowing down, do you start to lose a little bit of that gusto uh, of the rising factor for like a gold or, or a platinum or, or other commodities that go up for the store of safety? When looking at the silver chart, and I'll bring up the SLV for you guys here. Silver, even with that lack of kind of full-on bullishness like I am on gold, I've got to admit that the pattern continues to be very, very bullish. You can see here that if you connect this trend line, you broke below once. And what I love to see is how quickly silver got back above that trend line. So it looked basically, it's what I would call a fake out where the big boys might have pushed silver down to make everyone think it was going to break down. And then almost within a day, it got back above that key flat trend line. And that again is a signal that you washed out some stops there and now silver actually moved up beautifully and is starting to put in short-term consolidation. The longer chart pattern continues to be very bullish as well. Same kind of chart pattern as GDXJ, where you're having this bullish bullish digestion period. And again, you now want to look for a breakout. And now this is on the S so understand that for those of you guys that are listening, but basically anything above 26 and we're currently at 22, 25 on the SLV is a major breakout where I think you could see silver moving into the thirties uh, per ounce. I mean, a very easily a move into the thirties.
0: Gareth, do you do an analysis like GDX relative to GLD or GDXJ relative to GLD? Is that part of your analysis when you're looking at the miners and the
1: metals? I don't I don't necessarily overlap them too much, mainly because I'm very pure in my chartist nature where I just want to look at individual charts and I look for price pattern and time price would be, you know, a trend line support level, a gap fill a double bottom pattern would be the bull flag that we've kind of discussed and then the time factor is a very unique one. It's, it's something that has to do with cycles. And when you get a time factor to click, it's a very bullish signal. So I really don't match them up over each other, but I do absolutely look them at, at them individually.
0: What do you find more useful, a stock like Newmont or GLD
1: when you're one, or sorry, GDX when you're wanting to see where the miners might go? I think in general, you wanna look at at the, the GDX or the GDXJ. And the main reason is because you don't have as much stock specific nature to it. So for instance, with Newmont Mining, if you compare it to you know the chart of the GLD, Newmont Mining's actually had a bad performance over the last week uh, or so, coming down to its short-term lows, which actually are basically 52 week lows. Now it is holding that support, which is bullish here, um, but at the same time, gold is well off of those lows. And I think again, with Newmont, you could run into the issue of what if a fund wants to unload a million shares that they've been holding? Does it artificially suppress the price of that individual miner versus the pure kind of GDX that's kind of spreading the risk amongst all of the miners out there that are in it? So in general, I like to look at the GDX or GDXJ for a clearer picture of the overall mining sector.
0: And when you play the miners, do you do it via leveraged ETFs, call options, or the equities themselves?
1: So sometimes sometimes I'll do it really uh, all, all along all avenues. So so there'll be instances where you know I like to tuck away for a longer term play the GLD or the GDX because those are ones where I'm just going to let them kind of sit and accumulate and and um, move higher over a longer period. So I don't like to take you know options trades or leveraged ETFs if I'm not going to really focus on it too much. Leveraged ETFs and options are something that are very very volatile. You need to be nimble if you're going to trade them. So so I would just encourage everyone to understand that. Like for instance, options we know they expire worthless. Leveraged ETFs. They all go to zero at some point in the future. So you want to be aware of that. So if you're going to tuck something away, for instance, in a 401k or an IRA, I would look to the single ETFs or a stock in particular. So you never run that risk of it just going to zero, essentially.
0: Last time we chatted, you brought up URMN as an ETF that you trade for uh, the uranium uh, play. But what about U.UN on the Toronto Exchange? This is the SPROT Physical Trust, and it's actually been driving the Sprott spot price, which has been driving the uranium equities
1: price the last couple of months. Uh, What are you seeing going on in this chart? Yeah. So I don't have this one to be able to put up. Well, actually, you know what? I can do it here. Give me a second. There we go. Um, I can throw it up on the screen here uh, from the Toronto Stock Exchange as I don't have it on my current browser or in my platform. But basically what we're seeing here is that you basically have this high pivot that was put in um, going back to, you know, it looks like a month ago or so. And then since then we've been coming down and you're making lower highs. So you have this high pivot here and then you have a lower high here. And then you also have a lower low here as well. Well, so right now this would be looked at as consolidation. Um, just looking at this chart, many people are going to say, okay, well, where do I buy? The answer is so simple. See all these pivot tops over here going back to kind of 11 and a half to 12 on the U.UN. That, uh, that's going to be your buy level. So right now you're trading around 14. I would begin accumulating this aggressively if it gets down to 12 or just below 12. There is just so much support there that I think that would be a beautiful setup for a pretty substantial long position.
0: Fury Gold Mines is a Canada-focused exploration and development company committed to aggressively growing its scalable high-grade gold assets with major drill campaigns planned across its 3.5 million ounce portfolio. Fury is led by a management team of proven explorers and developers with a track record of success in advancing and financing project development. Fury Gold Mines is well positioned to create value for investors with low-risk development growth and the potential for a new major discovery. Fury Gold Mines trades on the TSX and NYSE American under the ticker FUR why to learn more go to furygoldmines.com that's furygoldmines.com last time we chatted i believe you were shorting oil or wanting to short oil Uh, what's your stance on oil right now
1: yeah so oil has been a tricky one right it's it's just continued to kind of grind up until recently we did see a potential long. uh pivot top being put in the chart. In fact, I want to show this and explain to people because I think it's very useful to understand how do I determine um, what a top will be, right? So basically what I look for is I look for a reversal in price on one particular day, and then before the high of that day is taken out. So, So for instance, here on the USO, we saw a sharp reversal on this day. And then before the high of that day is taken out, I need to see a secondary sell-off day of significance. And you got that right here. And notice how, even though you had an update after that day, it never took out that high on the USO. So this to me confirms a short-term top in oil. Now, short-term tops can fail and we can always see a move to the upside and break that. But as a trader, it's all about probabilities. So I want to look for what are the odds telling me? And right now, they're certainly telling me that oil is probably going to head lower Unless that high is taken out. So I would be on the short side here. Uh, I'm in a short trade on oil. I'm down on it right now. But I continue to think that oil is going to come in. We did hear today more talk from various OPEC nations that they're going to increase production. I also think the Biden administration doesn't want oil to get too high because of its negative impact on the overall economy. What about uh, natural gas, UNG? Uh, one of my favorites here, folks. Um, natural gas has been a great trading vehicle for me. Um, here's the chart of UNG, which is the ETF that tracks it. One of the coolest things forming on this UNG chart is what we call a head and shoulders pattern. It's a bearish pattern that when the neckline breaks, you actually could can calculate the downside target. All right, so here you can clearly see, and for those of you listening, you might not be able to, but I'll try to describe it. You have this beautiful left shoulder head pattern and right shoulder. And today we're actually violating to the downside that neckline, which if it closes below would trigger that potential downside move which would take natural gas all the way back on the UNG to below 15. So you're currently at 17 and change. If you can close below this level, you can absolutely see a beautiful continued sell-off on natural gas. I think, again, we're starting to see some of the, the fear overseas in Europe about you know the lack of natural gas starting to subside a little bit. And the hope is that, again, eventually that'll continue to subside and bring natural gas's price in.
0: So when you're going to trade something like UNG, are you looking at the the geopolitical and worldwide factors, especially for us in the Northern hemisphere, we're headed into winter. So usually the price goes up, right? I mean, how does that factor into this analysis?
1: Yeah. So, so for me, it's it's more on the pure chart side. What I love to see. So I, I've been in, out of, in and out of KOLD, which is a two times short the UNG, I think probably like four or five times just in the last month playing these kind of retrace moves. Once we got the confirmed top here in or in the UNG, I just kind of was shorting every bounce on it. And so what I look at is is kind of the hype. So One of the key signals for me to short the the natural gas trade was when we saw CNBC kind of talking constantly about the shortages around the world, there were rolling blackouts, there's not enough natural gas. That hype drove prices up to a point where they were kind of at their maximum level. And so if you match that up to the chart, you can actually get a good basis for thinking, okay, max fear is here. There's no higher for that fear to go. And likely you'll see price come down because fear will wane as well.
0: What are some of your best inflation trades? Are you trading any real
1: estate or construction ETFs right now? So for me, real estate, definitely not, at least here in the US. Um, Prices are just insane. In fact, I recently moved from Oregon to Florida and I sold my house and I purposely did not buy a new house. Um, I'm renting it for the time being because I honestly, I'm just too concerned about how inflated Home prices are. There just seemed, I mean, people are bidding $100,000 over asking. It's just gotten ludicrous. You know, the same kind of thing was going on in 2007. And, and you know, I didn't buy anything back then, thank goodness, as well. So definitely not real estate. Um, now, if you have some sort of income generating property, I think that's a different story. If you can justify the high price because you're making X amount of dollars in income. Per quarter or per, per year. Um, in terms of inflation, for me, mostly right now it's gold, Bitcoin. I'm actually short right now in the money a little bit on that. I continue to think it's going to pull back eventually. I think Bitcoin is a no brainer inflation hedge. I just think you have way too much kind of crazy, weak handed money that's just kind of they're in it because it's the hot thing, and that always concerns me. So once you see a flush out on Bitcoin, whether it's to forty thousand or to you know twenty. You then want to start accumulating because I do think it has longstanding uh, aspects to the inflation trade.
0: Last time we mentioned 20 as a target for you where you'd be buying, would you buy at 40? You just threw out 40, which is twice as high as your last target when we
1: spoke a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go over the Bitcoin charts. I think this is a really intriguing chart. So number one, um, I shorted at 66,100. That's the level I am currently short. So I'm in the money, you know, a little less than $6,000 per coin, which is not bad, but obviously I'm looking for more. The reason I shorted it is because there's a technique in the charts That kind of fools the average investor. But if you learn how to read charts, you can kind of see these things ahead of time. So what we saw was Bitcoin rallying up to the 65 former high and closing above. Now, the average investor is going to say, oh, this is a breakout. You know, this is now going to 100,000. And that was the predominant feeling out there on Bitcoin. Like, this is a huge breakout. And then all of a sudden, Bitcoin turned down. And we've seen it trade back to the 60, 60 and a half thousand level right here. So what goes on here is that, first of all, you had to remember that there was an ETF launch into that period. So there was so much hype. There's a lot of manipulation in Bitcoin, too, where I really, truly could watch price action on Bitcoin and every time it started to dip prior to the ETF launch, it would get bought up and you might say, well, why? Well, well, if you think about it, if you're launching a product, you don't want it to collapse just before you launch your product. I mean, that's just not good for marketing. It's not good for how the launch will be remembered in history. So there was a a little bit of kind of hype that was driving it up, but also I think a little bit of buyers on the dip by the underlying uh, distributor of the ETF. The other factor here is that when you close above a level, the institutions know the average investor thinks it's a breakout. Oftentimes, without confirmation, it's a technique I use. You'll see the reversal occur, and that's basically what happened. So when I shorted here, I was banking on the fact that this was a game being played by the institutions, and sure enough, it has come in at least for now. Now, the last thing I'll say is you're absolutely right. So when I was on last time, we hadn't taken out sixty five thousand as a high. The way I was figuring was in. I said six months. I thought you would get down to twenty thousand. I still think you'll go back to twenty thousand whenever you get a deleveraging event but i was basing that 6 month target on the fact that the cycle mirrored past cycles from 2013 and 2017 in those past cycles we never made a higher high on bitcoin so basically once that happened i had to go back to the drawing board and say okay i still think 20000 will come but the time frame now does not match up with previous cycles And therefore, I have to kind of reevaluate. So I still think it's coming, but I think you might get a pullback to 40 and then a bounce back to 50. And then maybe, I don't know if it's six months or a year from now or whenever the next uh, winter occurs, you should go back down um, and eventually retest. Twenty thousand.
0: so with bitcoin with this analysis we say in the commodity space that the most bullish thing for a commodity is an all-time high because literally everybody's in the money so everybody feels good about it how do you reconcile that with the top we just saw in bitcoin and then the quick sell-off how the institutions you
1: said played that yeah i mean it's such an interesting thing and i've seen it on stocks so often i've even seen it in commodities occur Overall, I think the fact that it made a new high in the longer term is bullish, right? It shows people that more people are getting attracted to the space of Bitcoin. They're getting more, you know, there's more people every day kind of thinking, oh, maybe I should put some of my, my portfolio in Bitcoin. But the problem is, is that what I look for, and this is this is the confirmation signal, which is something I spent years developing, is that I found that when you just have one daily close above a level without a secondary close higher, I would say about 60% of the time, maybe even 70%, there's a reversal that occurs. If you can get a second, so you closed above the line here, the the all-time high, if you got a second close above that high, it's very unlikely that the institutions are playing games to lure people in because it costs them too much money to do so. Um, So for me, at least, especially with Bitcoin, but even with other stocks, I need to see that confirming move above a high to really believe it's a breakout. Now, looking at Bitcoin, we've pulled back. We're still very close to the highs. We could always trade back up. But again, I'd still want to see that confirming move above to believe it has legs in the near term towards 100,000 or greater.
0: What about the Bloomberg Commodity Index, DJP? What do you see going on here amidst our talk on inflation?
1: Yeah, let's take a look at that chart here looks like a cool chart. Um that chart is looking amazingly strong. I mean it's it's continued. I like this base right here. So you could see here it consolidated. That's beautiful consolidation. It looks like short term it may need to pause here. So one of the things I look for is kind of what what's called a measured move. And you could see that the last run up started here and went to this point. So you had, you know, on, on the chart it looks like about a $3 you know, about a $4 move to the upside and then it went consolidating and kind of digested that move. And then if you look here from the breakout point, it's another $4 move to the upside. So what we call in the, in the technical world is, is a measured move where it's matching a previous surge to the upside. So while the chart is beautiful, I would let it digest again Maybe pull back a little bit and then look to get in. But overall, it's been a great, I mean, beautiful chart. I mean, there's, there's nothing, if you've been in this for the last year or two, you have done very, very well.
0: What about the major indices, the NASDAQ, s and I think we talked about a stair-step rollover top last time. Um, share with us your current expectation.
1: Yeah, so right now here's the Nasdaq 100. Um this channel continues to be just an absolute beauty. If I zoom out, you can see how long these parallel lines have been in play in the market. Um I honestly thought I didn't I honestly thought the last time I was on we were just starting to roll over. I thought this would be a bigger rollover than it's turned out to be. I think the the Nasdaq may be down 7 or 8% at the lows, which isn't a bad pullback, but I didn't honestly see new all-time highs coming. I said, "All right, you know, they'll bounce the market off the low end of this trend line, but you probably won't make new all-time highs." Obviously, I was wrong in that aspect as we've made new all-time highs. I'm looking at the market. I still see craziness in here that needs to be flushed out. There must be, I mean, the Fed is still supplying a lot of liquidity, which makes me concerned because at some point they're going to pull back. Maybe on Wednesday, the Fed will start announcing when they're going to start tapering. I'm curious to see how the market reacts. But overall, I'm buying, there's certain areas I'm buying in the the stock market, like China stocks, which are doing really, really well today. I bought those on Friday again. Um, And then I'm also looking to short the indices here. I just can't, there's too many negative signals, whether it's it's people taking crazy risks, like with Tesla being up again and again and again, or other things out there that make me concerned about being too long uh, with the exposure to the overall stock market. And you mentioned Alibaba last time you were on. Was that one of your best trades in the last 30 days? Yeah, that was that was an amazing bounce. Absolutely. Um, when I think when I was on, it was trading right around these lows, and it got a bounce from um, basically 140 dollars back to 180. Now it's pulled back a little bit. Um, I haven't reentered this one. I have reentered uh, Baidu, which I reentered on Friday. That's getting a good bounce. Um, I love that retrace there. And then I picked up some other ones like Diddy, which is that car uh, ride hailing uh, one as well. Um, so there's there's some that I've kind of inched back in. But please understand it's a very small percentage of the overall portfolio as the Chinese stocks definitely come with a lot of risks of regulation. So, you know, I think at these levels, when I compare U.S. stocks to China stocks, the valuations are so attractive, even with the regulatory concerns that I have to have some exposure there. But overall, you just want to be very careful as as anything can happen with the Chinese government.
0: Gareth, my portfolio is very different than yours. I have these tiny names, a lot of sub $50 million market caps. So you have to be careful how you trade in and out of them. Uh, What's your advice to someone like me that invests in these small cap miners? What key advice should I be paying attention to?
1: Yeah, so I think I think anytime you're investing in a small cap, you want to diversify. So if you have many of them, that's the right play to be because this way, if one has a bad quarter or they announce something horrid, you're you're not losing your whole portfolio on that one play. Um, But I think that's the right move. Just diversify. I mean, it's it's. I think if you spread it amongst enough plays, there are going to be the great winners and maybe one of the bad losers. The bad loser will only hurt you slightly, especially if you have the diversification of those going up. So I think as long as you're spread out, you're doing. Great.
0: Okay. And Gareth's website is inthemoneystocks.com. Anything new there that listeners should be aware of?
1: Uh, just just keep plugging away and putting out swing trades. And, and I do daily videos with lots of technical analysis. So I do encourage anyone who's interested in the technical side of charts, please come on over and check us out.
0: All right. Well, thank you for this update. Thank you so much, Bill.